Well, today we want to uh, understand, you know, it's the end of the year. You know, it's a funny thing when you're preparing uh, a message for the end of the year, you have to decide, should I speak about the end of the year at the end of the year or like at the beginning of the year, you know, uh, at the end or the beginning? Uh, because the end and the beginning are kind of, they kind of merge together, you know. Uh, uh, it's kind of like um, uh, uh, when you look at, uh, I think I've said this before, when you look at like December 31st and January 1st, right? it's like one day after another, right? Uh, there's not like some big chasm there. Uh, and, uh, and so, and it's really an artificial time. Are you aware of that, right? That, uh, you know, uh, in the ancient world, there actually was no January 1st. Can you believe that? Did you know, calendars, you should study calendars. That is a very interesting subject studying calendars. Do you know that some cultures in ages, you know, in the ancient world, had 10-day week calendars? Did you know that? Uh, It's all time. It's so relative. Oh, what an interesting topic. But anyway, uh, except for Israel's calendar, uh, that is a calendar that uh, goes all the way back uh, from the text of the Bible, we know, to this very day. Uh, And so that's rather interesting. But even, you know, in, in Israel, the, um, you know, people ask this sometimes. So like in Israel, yes, they go like from January 1st to December 31st. You know what I mean? Like a regular year, it's the beginning of, of the new year. Uh, but uh, like Jews everywhere, the, uh, the Hebrew year, the Jewish year is like a religious, uh, a religious year, you know. But, uh, but nevertheless, uh, uh, where we get our seven-day week from, why am I going through all of this now? I don't know. Anyway, we get this seven-day week, right, I, uh, from the model is the Jewish calendar. Why, we have a, everyone, why do we have a seven-day week? We have a seven-day week because it's modeled after the Jewish calendar. Not exactly uh, the same way of counting days. Uh, you know, the Jewish calendar is not, it's not exactly a lunar calendar. It's more like a, a quasi-lunar calendar. Uh, and so that's rather interesting. It, you know, it works off. For example, there are, is it, oh, I can't remember now. Every, there's so many leap months every 19 years, but the number escapes me right now. There's not like a leap year where there's an extra day, right? We get a whole extra month, right? Uh, isn't that interesting? Imagine how many people don't have their birthdays, right, in, in, you know, in a whole month. Right, so so there, you know, it's a quirky has some quirky things to it, but anyway, it's important for us, uh, you know, to uh, uh, reflect on particular markers of time uh, to help us uh, reflect on the past as we move forward to the future. First of all, speaking of future, you might have noticed the sign. It says Israel's future today, and you might have pulled in saying, "What does that mean?" Right? Well, that's exactly that's perfect. Uh, because the idea is to be a little thought-provoking. Like, what does that mean, right? Well, uh, you know, you're going to uh, see that and uh, that phrase and hear that phrase from time to time. It means it is a way of understanding the fact that now that the Messiah has come, we can experience a portion of the future now. See? Uh, God promised Israel a future of peace, uh, a future of joy, a future of intimacy with God, uh, you know, uh, a future of a messianic king dwelling in her midst, 
Isn't it wonderful that today we can experience the Messianic King dwelling in our midst? Today we can experience the blessings uh, of a portion that God has promised our people. And not only uh, uh, us uh, as Jewish people, but uh, Gentiles as well. And specifically in relationship to Jewish people, God has promised a land, uh, the seed, and a blessing. And, uh, and so isn't it a wonderful thing that we see still the rumbling of the bones, the, the rumbling of the dry bones in Ezekiel 37, and the uh, return of Jewish people uh, to uh, the promised land. So when we say Israel's future today, that's what we mean. And in a Messianic Jewish community, that's what we see. We see a, a, a Jewish place of worship, inclusive of Gentiles. That's how we define progressive, by the way, uh, on our website. Uh, inclusive. Uh, anyone can come, uh, and frankly, just about anyone can participate in just about everything. That's pretty inclusive. So we define for ourselves who we are. Uh, and so we see uh, uh, we have a, uh, the Messianic King in our midst. Uh, we see that uh, there is peace, uh, fellowship with one another, uh, closeness to God, uh, and all of that, Israel's future uh, uh, today. What a wonderful way to communicate to our people, to the Jewish people, what we mean by that. You know, it doesn't really resonate to say kingdom, you know, the kingdom of God, uh, we can experience the kingdom of God today. That does not resonate uh, in, in, a Jewish, in a Jewish way, in a Jewish world. Uh, and, uh, and so it's important for us to recognize the calling that God has given us to resonate uh, in a Jewish world, to, to bring Yeshua uh, uh, to the Jewish uh, world. Uh, and uh, as we'll see in just a few moments, this doesn't mean that we're not concerned about bringing anybody, uh, you know, uh, into that kingdom, but primarily and unapologetically uh, the Jewish people. Because if not us, who? Right? Uh, and that's very important for us. And so, you know, this morning I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the pillars, one might say, of our... Uh, of our values. You know, in our membership class, uh, we talk about the four pillars of Judaism. Uh, uh, there is a book uh, called To Be a Jew. Anybody ever hear that book? The author's name is Donin, D-O-N-I-N. Uh, he also wrote a book called To Pray as a Jew. Uh, and they're very helpful in, in understanding the Jewish world uh, because, let's face it, most of us who are here today I uh, understand the Jewish world only by what we learn here. Uh, and, and so these are very good books to help us to, to understand that world so that we can speak that language and communicate uh, uh, in that world. So Donin mentions four pillars of Judaism. Uh, and in our membership class, we talk about those four pillars of Messianic Judaism. What that means to us, uh, what these four pillars mean to us, as a Messianic Jewish uh, community. And so I thought I would uh, talk a little bit about that today. And I'm happy to say that after a year of uh, talking about our, uh, um, uh, our doctrinal statement and a few topical messages along the way and holidays, that starting next week we're going to get back to a book of the Bible. And I think we're going to take a look at the book of Daniel. 
Uh, Daniel says a lot to us uh, who live outside of Eretz Yisrael, those of us uh, who are believers but live in a world filled with all kinds of uh, cultural issues that we have to negotiate uh, uh, all the time, as well as a great vision for the future. And so we're going to start uh, uh, looking at the book of Daniel starting uh, uh, next uh, Shabbat. But today... We're going to look at these four pillars because, as you know, next year, next year, next week, right, uh, begins our uh, uh, year-long observance and celebration of uh, God's faithfulness to Beth Messiah for 40 years, okay? Uh, and so, you, first, you, first of all, you want to mark your calendars. I'm going to say this over and over again until we all get it, right? And that is the last weekend of June. The last weekend of June, you want to make sure you're here because that is going to be our great celebration slash reunion weekend when uh, people are going to be here from out of town that have been here in Beth Messiah past, <laughs> Beth Messiah present, and I don't, to a certain extent, I suppose Beth Messiah future, right? Uh, and, uh, and just lots of uh, interesting th things taking place that weekend. But in addition to that, throughout the year, we're going to be uh, doing some different things, raising our awareness on some social issues, um, uh, uh, other events that will remind us of God's faithfulness to us in the past, but also, and very, very importantly, recognizing you know, the calling to the future uh, that God has given us. We're never called to just sit in one place, like say, okay, here we are, so let's just, you know, just sort of stay like we are, where we are. We're always called to keep moving, right? Uh, and so there's a lot uh, uh, to look forward to, not only in this year, but this coming year as a kickoff to really the future uh, generations and decades uh, of a Beth Messiah congregation. But in order to do that, we need to be reminded of uh, some of our values and pillars that are non-negotiables and uh, that we don't compromise uh, for the sake of uh, being attractive uh, to people or the expediency of getting something done, you know, that, that kind of thing. So uh, there are some non-negotiables, and there are more than these, but uh, these are based on these four pillars of Judaism by Donin, and we can adapt them uh, very well to uh, four pillars of Messianic uh, Judaism. The first one, and these are not in an order of more important than others, just four, okay? So this first one that I'm going to mention is the Jewish people. Uh, certainly, uh, any Jewish community is committed to the Jewish people uh, by its very nature and by its uh, definition. If one, identifies it, uh, if one identifies a community as Jewish, then we're concerned about more than just ourselves. We're not just a little beachhead, but we're concerned uh, about the whole community. Okay? Whether we live in that community or, or whatever. Uh, if we're identified with Beth Messiah Congregation, if it's our first year, our 40th year, our 80th year, our 100th year, if we're, we're, regardless of where we're located or what we're doing, the, this is a very important value, the Jewish, uh, Jewish people. So what does this mean? So it means, first of all, that we can't forget our connection uh, to the Jewish people, that we're not an island, right? Uh, now our challenge is 
here at Beth Messiah, let's face it, uh, if you look around the room, uh, you see that the majority of all of us here are not Jewish. I mean, that is like, a, you know, that is true. And so the challenge is, uh, because most of us here uh, don't live uh, and, you know, live and breathe, so to speak, in the Jewish community, we have to go out of our way to connect to the community. Now, I'm not speaking to all of us, but I'm speaking to the majority of us. We have to go out of our way to connect to that uh, community. And, uh, and, you know, there are uh, good ways to do that. One is online, you know, the Ohio Jewish Chronicle. You don't have to subscribe to it and get it in your mailbox. You can read it online. You can learn about everything going on in the Jewish community, uh, you know, in and around uh, Columbus, Ohio. And then, of course, it occurs via learning, learning about Jewish values, the Jewish holidays and traditions and way of life, meeting people, attending events. Uh, uh, and, of course, it goes without saying, sharing the, the good news of Messiah uh, with our people. If we believe that the Messianic King is coming, that we can experience a portion of Israel's future blessings today, far be it from us to keep that from the rest of the community, Right? And so we certainly uh, desired to do that. And this is reflected very much in the prophets' concern for the people themselves. If you look at Hosea, for example, in Hosea chapter 11, you see it quite clearly. You know, as you turn there, you know, one of the things um, you learn by uh, being on Facebook, first of all, you learn what's going on in people's lives, like people passing away or you know, or, um, you know, important things, but also some uh, just very good little tidbits. So I have a friend, and maybe he's a friend of you, a real friend, I mean, you know, <laughs> not just a click friend, you know what I mean, okay? <laughs> all right, uh, his name is John Cantor, and I've known him for many, many years, work going all the way back to Chosen People Ministries when I was living in Los Angeles, way, way back. Well, he lives in Dallas, and, and he's a really interesting thinker, and so uh, he was reflecting this past week about uh, how many, sadly, how many people view uh, anything related to Israel or the future of Israel or even the presence of Israel in the Bible as figurative, where uh, these very same people would never say that when Yeshua came into this world, that that was figurative. You know, no, that was literal, but anything left in the future is all figurative and applies not to the Jewish people, but to God's people, you know? So uh, may I suggest that if we're going to be consistent, uh, you have to look at language in its context, and sometimes it can be figurative, depending on its context, and other times it is what we call normative, or literal or normative. In other words, just basically what it says. Uh, and so in Hosea chapter 11, I gave you all that time to find that in your Bible, right? Okay. When uh, we read, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? He means the Jewish people, okay? Uh, you know, uh, how can I give you up, O Jews, in 2014 or 15? You know, uh, he's not only speaking to the ancient uh, tribe of Ephraim or the northern kingdom of Israel, but it represents uh, the Jewish people everywhere. Uh, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim, like foreigners? That's what he's saying. Okay? My heart is turned over within me. 
all my compassions are kindled. And so here we see God is concerned about the welfare of the people. And so we need to reflect the heart of the prophet and be concerned about the welfare of the people. The great prophet Yeshua, who's also priest and king in the very incarnation of God, says in Matthew chapter 23, after he lambasts the uh, Pharisees, not out of hatred, but because they're supposed to know better, he says at the very end of uh, chapter 23, in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how I often wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. The point I want to make is that this is a lament. There's a lot of emotion going on here. He cares deeply for the people, not as a line on some doctrinal statement or simply because they need to know the the Messiah, but he cares about them, about this community of human beings. He cares about the Jewish people. And so, not to the exclusion of others, but very rarely do you ever hear of his concern and care uh, an emotional, uh, um, I, um, the, the, the emotion uh, that goes uh, along with his concern and, and, and care. Emotional commitment, that's what I was looking for. His emotional commitment uh, to the Jewish people. See? Uh, and so we have that kind of commitment. It's not just a theological uh, a point, like, you know, to the Jew first. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, uh, God, God loves Israel, so therefore we do too. No, no. You see, it's much more visceral than that. That we're concerned about these people because they are us and we are them. Whether we're Jewish or not, you, well, you sort of place your lot uh, with the Jewish people when you are part of Beth Messiah congregation. And so no matter what we do or what we present or what we're concerned about. or This is a pillar that will never go away. It's one of the pillars that holds up uh, our edifice as a community, one might say. Okay? Uh, So that's one. Another one, of course, that goes right along with that is Israel. Israel as a place. Israel as a nation. Israel as real estate in the Middle East. Okay? So we identify, this is the second pillar that Donan uh, mentioned, obvi- mentions, obviously, a strong identity with the Jewish people as a nation. Now, let me just say that in the Jewish world, there is lots of heated argument and confrontation about how, that, how one is supportive of Israel, no doubt. But that is an inter-Jewish argument. It kind of reminds me of when you read um, Louis Finkelstein's book, The Pharisees, for example. It's kind of an old book, but it's very interesting. So he talks in this book about the difference between the, uh, the uh, house of Shammai uh, and the house of Hillel. Okay? Two Pharisees, by the way. Hey, two Pharisees walk into... Oh, never mind. Okay. So uh, you have uh, uh, Hillel and Shammai. They're very, very different. This is not the time or place to explain the difference. But uh, they're very different. Very different schools. And they would argue all the time. 
So in this book, it talks about the name-calling that would go on amongst them. I mean, it's horrible. We would never, you know, we would never uh, call each other names like, like that. But yet, they were, they, were, they were as close as could be when it came to their commitment to their people or to the Torah or to Judea or Israel, you know, in ancient times. Uh, and so today, you have... Uh, all kinds of groups that, you know, the left wing and the right wing and all that. Regardless, they all uh, have the nation land of Israel as a uh, great value. Uh, and so do we. Uh, we're realistic about Israel, not just, uh, not just uh, everything Israel does is right and they're the good guys and everybody else is all the terrible people. Or are we, uh, would we fall out of the category, and this is not bad, it's just I'm saying uh, not exactly uh, who we are, and that is Christian Zionists. We're not exactly, that is not exactly who we are, although we, we fall in, in a lot of ways, we have a lot, of same, uh, a lot of the same lights go on there. But the difference is, again, it's not a theological point. It is a peoplehood point. This is our people. This is our land. This is the homeland. Uh, and, and so, again, uh, 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 it overlaps. Of course, it's theologically uh, uh, correct and, and right and, and all of that. And uh, God loves Israel and so do we. But it also uh, is the heart of God. And, and so, therefore, it is our, uh, our heart. Uh, you know, there's lots of places in the Bible uh, to look. Just a couple in particular. One goes all the way back to Deuteronomy, uh, where you read in the 32nd chapter in the Song of Moses, uh, in verse 43, Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Land and people. Isn't that interesting? That's in Deuteronomy 32, 43. Land and people. Not just people, but land and people. Okay? And that is what you read, by the way, way later in history in Zechariah uh, chapter 12, as we looked at uh, very recently. In uh, Zechariah, in the uh, 12th uh, chapter, and remember, Zechariah comes very, very late. One of the last prophets, okay? Deuteronomy is before all the prophets. Now, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later is Zechariah. And we read in the 12th uh, uh, chapter, uh, uh, let's see, uh, we read uh, in chapter 12, uh, uh, in verse uh, 7, the Lord uh, also will save the tents of Judah first in order that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not be magnified above Judah. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David and the house of David will be like God and the angel of the Lord before them. Uh, and it will come about in that day that I will set about to destroy uh, the nations that come against Jerusalem. Uh, that come against the place and, of course, uh, the people, all right? Uh, and, and so it's quite clear that uh, the place is important. And by the way, sometimes people will say, well, 
I don't see that in the New Covenant. Where do we read that in the New Covenant? Well, isn't it interesting that Yeshua was not born in a stable in Iowa uh, or Minnesota or Ohio or Florida or Texas or California or Buenos Aires or Montreal or Paris or London, but in Eretz Yisrael. You know, as they say, it's as clear, it's as clear as the nose on your face. He can't, how could he, Israel is not important. There were more Jews in, if, if Yeshua should have been born in the place where the most Jews were, he should have been born in Baghdad. Are you aware of that, perhaps? There were more Jews in Baghdad than in Jerusalem. Yes, this is true. But you see, he came to Israel because this is indeed the promised land, the promised real estate, see? And just as he was born exactly literally where the Bible says he would be born, so he shall return literally, normatively, to the same place. When Yeshua was born in a manger in Bethlehem, it wasn't the manger of our hearts. It wasn't that the Messiah was born into the Bethlehem of our hearts. No, the Messiah came, not in the real world, but Zion in, in our heart, you know? He was born in a real place that we can look at and say, yes, historically this is true. And so he shall return in a real place to Eretz Yisrael. Okay? Very good. So, that's important to us unabashedly. Now, I have to say also, as a Messianic community, though, we see the big picture. See? So we know that when you look at Israel today and all the problems of today, of this day, of the West Bank and Gaza, you know, and uh, oh, just all of it, what a mess it is. We know what the answer is. We know that the answer is Yeshua, the Messianic King, see, who dwells in our midst. He is indeed the answer. And we are familiar with the passages of Scripture that says the lion will lay down with the lamb. Peace. That, that uh, swords will be turned into plowshares, uh, you know, into farming uh, accessories and materials. And in that day, Egypt and Assyria and everything in between is going to be at peace. So that means, see, we have, to have, we have, we have that unique worldview. So that means we don't hate the Palestinian people. We want them to know the Lord like we want to know the Israelis to know the Lord and all that. Yet, uh, our people ethnically is Israel. And as I shared in um, our uh, Zionism class at the end, that uh, uh, a long time ago I was close friends with a Palestinian pastor in, in Southern California. And we would have this kind of conversation over and over again. It was probably some of the most, boy, some of the holiest conversation I think I've had, you know, uh, of really getting to the heart of an issue with a, with a person who loved the Lord, whom I could be friends with, who in the natural would be an enemy, you know? Uh, and we both agreed on, on many, many things. And the, uh, the analogy to the whole thing was is that if we were neighbors and friends, and our children, we see looking out of the kitchen window into the backyard, we see them fighting, and we run outside. The first place we are going to run to is our own child, 
not because we despise our neighbor's child, but because this is my child and I'm concerned for them more than anybody else in this world. And so that is how we view uh, Israel. This is our people. And so that is our, uh, uh, that is our primary uh, uh, concern. And that's how it is. That is our value. Uh, and we recognize uh, the importance of Israel, indeed, to the future uh, of, God's, uh, of God's plan. All right? So Israel, the Jewish people in Israel. Next is uh, Torah. Okay? Uh, uh, Torah. Certainly, uh, our uh, value is not simply, sometimes people reduce it as a caricature, to obedience to laws. Unfortunately, that's legalism, see? Uh, and that's not uh, exactly uh, what we mean. But we could call it a Jewish way of life. A Jewish way of life. A Torah way of life, full of ethics and morals and deference. Uh, as we know, that when you read the Sermon on the Mount and you read uh, the admonitions, we would never call them laws after all in the New Testament, but the admonitions uh, that Paul gives, uh, you know, to the Ephesians and the Philippians and the Colossians, they're all, they're all from the Torah. He's teaching them Torah. He's teaching these people who were pagans and now have come to, the, to believe in the God of Israel through the Messiah of Israel. Now he's teaching them a way of life that comes from the Torah, you see? Uh, and so certainly that is a great value to us. Uh, what we don't realize is sometimes as believers we think, well, Torah means Jewish holiday celebrations and keeping kosher and worshiping on Shabbat. I got it. Torah obedient. No. Actually, the, the vast majority of what the Torah teaches is everything under the rubric of love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like Yeshua said, these are the two greatest commandments because these are the two overarching umbrellas of the way of life. And, and so therefore, uh, uh, you know, we, we certainly believe that. But unabashedly and unapologetically, we teach it right from the source, right from the Torah, as well as the Brit Hadashah, because everything for us is framed under uh, the, the, uh, the coming of the Messiah, our Torah obedience. Uh, is, I don't know the word, filtered, framed, whatever term you want to use, in light of the coming of the Messiah. Again, Israel's future today, see? And you know, it's very interesting uh, that um, uh, uh, many years ago, I shared this on our, went to our Wednesday morning men's group. Uh, many years ago, I had a, a great conversation at a, at a local uh, Jewish learning institution. Uh, and uh, someone that I knew had met a rabbi, and he said to the rabbi, I have a friend, and I'd like you to talk to him. You know, boom. Yeah. So uh, I went to see uh, this rabbi. So there was two of them, two, two, uh, two rabbis, and one was the good cop and one was the bad cop, okay? Uh, and one was just like, like offering me tea, and the other one was looking at me as if I was dead, Okay? Uh, and so one would say, if you show us uh, uh, in the Torah that Jesus is the Messiah, we'll believe it right now, you know? Uh, and the other one just like did not say anything, just continued to stare with me without blinking, 
you know? Uh, and, and so we went, you know, we went around and around for a while. And then I said, you know, you have to understand that our whole viewpoint, our whole worldview, our whole understanding of the text of the Torah is in light of the coming of the Messiah, okay? Because we really believe a Messiah has indeed uh, uh, come and that Yeshua is the Messiah. So we frame the whole thing in the uh, understanding the coming of the Messiah. And I said, and you know very well that in the Talmud, it says that there, and now different places in the Talmud disagrees on the, on the specifics, but that the Torah changes to a certain degree after the coming of the Messiah. You know, there's some really famous statements about the celebration of this holiday or the celebration of that holiday after the Messiah comes or something. But in the text of the Tanakh, it says, here's a place you'll never forget, Jeremiah 3.16. How do you like that? Okay. In uh, Jeremiah 3.16, it says, and this is, I pointed this out, and it shall be in those days when you are multiplied and increased in the land, declares the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and it shall not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they miss it, nor shall it be made again. Well, that's interesting. So I said, you know, um, I think that in the Torah, there's a lot of verses and a lot of chapters about the Ark of the Covenant. And here it says, regardless of, uh, you know, what we may want to think about the Olam Haba, it says no Ark of the Covenant. No Ark of the Covenant. So it was, you know, we got to get out the commentaries and everything else and and let's just say uh, the conversation pretty much came to a close uh, after that, uh, because there was nothing to say in that regard in talking about, um, uh, you know, a, a way of life and Torah obedience and, and so on. And so I said, well, we do our best. We're not perfect of, you know, being Torah obedient in light of the coming of the Messiah. All right. Uh, and, you know, in Ezekiel 36, though, it does say, and this is important for us to to understand that with the coming of the Messiah, Torah is not done away with, but now we are empowered to live it out uh, uh, from our heart. And it says here in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, in um, verse 27, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. How do you like that? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And so when we embrace the Messiah, what God does when, he, when the Ruach comes to dwell within us is he empowers us to live this Torah way of life. See? What we were called to be originally, the way we were called to relate uh, to God. And that's, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, you know, very important to us. So Torah is, a, um, uh, is a, a value. And again, one of the great models for us in interpreting various texts of the Torah is the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is very good, not only in the points that it makes about specific laws, but in the method that Yeshua uses to apply texts of Torah to life in the Messianic kingdom, so to speak. The methodology. It's very important. Um, you know, it's, for example, and you know, I've said this before, you know, when he talks about murder, for example, and he relates it then to you know, having, uh, holding grudges and so on, he doesn't infer that 
he doesn't infer that now it's okay to actually kill somebody because that's not what it means. You know, it doesn't mean actually kill somebody anymore. Now it means something different. Obviously, right? Obviously, we know that that's not the case. Obviously, when uh, he talks about, uh, you know, being guilty uh, of the sin of murder uh, is inclusive of your heart attitude, he's not saying that the literal meaning of it is no longer applies, right? So that's very important, you see, in making applications uh, uh, to these passages of Torah. Uh, that's another story of how to do that for another day, but still, uh, that is a great value to us. And finally, uh, the God of Israel. So we have Israel, the Jewish people, the land of Israel, Torah, uh, and, you know, let me, I guess I should say this, by expansion, the entire word of God. The entire word of God is what we're built on. Whether we're talking about the Torah, the prophets, the writings, or the entire Brit Harashah, right? Uh, okay, I'm glad we got an amen for that. Uh, what about an amen just for the Torah part? Is that okay too? Okay, thank you. I just don't know if you guys are right. Thank you, Mar Maria. It's great to see you today. We're, I recognize your voice. I can't see where you are. But anyway, okay. So uh, uh, we stand on the word of God. Uh, absolutely. Now that goes, no, it doesn't go without saying. We must say it so that we remember it, right? Uh, and that is a tremendous value. And and uh, never uh, to be compromised or abrogated. All right. Well, finally, now, the God of Israel. Now, and obviously, the God of Israel, our greatest value of all, right? Everything else comes underneath that the God of Israel. Our greatest value is our identification with the God of Israel. The God of Israel in the Bible is the one and only God. The God of the universe is the God of Israel. Uh, 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 whether we call him Adonai, Hashem, yud heh vav -Hey, uh, uh, his personal name, the God of, of Israel. And uh, certainly, as a Messianic Jewish community, uh, the God of Israel is inclusive of Yeshua, uh, the Messiah. One of the great passages is in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, when Paul is clearly relating Yeshua to the Shema. You know, Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, uh, no, chapter 8, I'm sorry. That's verse 6, yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, okay? So uh, he says, uh, to cut to the chase here, uh, in, ver in verse 5, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Now, uh, here uh, he's clearly identifying, you know, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, and so he is identifying Yeshua uh, as Lord. So as a Messianic Jewish community, Certainly, the deity of Yeshua, the triunity of God, recognizing that when we're talking about Yeshua, we are indeed talking about the God of Israel. We're talking about the one who is called the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7. And isn't it interesting in the Brit Hadashah reading for today? Uh, Yeshua says, the Son of Man has authority. He's not simply referring to himself as the Son of Man equals human, but the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7, the one who's coming in the clouds has come early, so to speak, you know? 
uh, and, uh, but will be seen in his glory uh, when he returns. Okay? And so that's why uh, we value, uh, obviously, uh, discipleship, uh, a growing in Messiah. We value education. We value Bible study. Uh, we value prayer. We value uh, fellowship. We value everything related to what it means to grow in Messiah. We value service. All those things uh, uh, come under uh, our value of the God of Israel. Uh, and that's, again, why we want our people uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to know that. And, and so, no matter what we do, like, you know, when we, when we talk about the future and plans and, and things like that, if we are not strong on these pillars, everything else will crumble. We need to be really strong in our trust and our walk with the Lord. We need to be really strong uh, in our obedience and our love of God's Word. We need to be really strong on uh, our interest and knowledge of Israel and of our relationship to the Jewish community. You could say, well, those last two are not essential. Yes, they are for us. They're not like extras. Otherwise, we might as well close the door, sell the building, and uh, we're done. Right? Because there's a thousand other places that one can uh, go to that certainly value the Word of God and value the Lord. But I can't think of too many that value Israel and the Jewish people the way I have explained it here today. Usually it's from the outside looking in. But at Beth Messiah, we understand ourselves as on the inside. See? And so these are values uh, that we must be strong on in anything that we do or plan or whatever it might be. Very important. That's why when we plan things, we need to pray. We need to make sure that it is, it's God's plan and not just our plan, you know? Uh, and, and also that it is somehow affecting the Jewish community in some way uh, and, and not just ourselves. Uh, and, or that it makes a difference in a particular uh, thing that God has called us to. God certainly has called Israel to be concerned about the issues of our world. So there's a reason to be concerned about the issues of our world, uh, you know, as well as just simply you know, obedience to the word of God. But uh, we also need to make sure in our outreach and all that we do that we're affecting the Jewish uh, community because we love that community and they're our community and uh, that is what God has called us, uh, has called us uh, to. Now just uh, to finish up, so God calls us, we could say, therefore, to be builders. And we have these four, uh, these four pillars Okay, and so God has called us uh, uh, to be uh, builders, and you know, uh, uh, a very interesting little word study is the word builders uh, in the Hebrew Bible. Do you know that uh, uh, in um, you can turn with me if you have your Bible to Isaiah chapter fifty-seven? Very interesting um, little thing going on here in Isaiah fifty-seven. There's about seven or eight passages seven or eight or so, under ten, in the Tanakh that talk about building, like building as a, uh, a figuratively, building the people, building a way, you know, as opposed to building a house, you know? So what's interesting is that when you uh, look at these passages, and 
uh, one of them here is Isaiah 57 in verse 14. And it says, It shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. You have a few passages in uh, Jeremiah where he says, build up. He's, you know, he's been called to tear down, but then to build up and to plant. You know, build up and to plant. So, and you see it here in Isaiah 57. And then you see it again in Isaiah chapter 62. Uh, in Isaiah 62, 10, right? Uh, go through, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, lift up a standard over the peoples. So you know what's really interesting? The word for build up here is not the same word for build something. It's a different word. Uh, and actually, in some of your translations, uh, in some of these passages, it might actually use the word English. Remember, it's just an English translation. Okay? Might use the word highway. Okay? You ever wonder, isn't it interesting that's like a modern word, highway? Why does it use the word highway? Why not use parkway? You know, why not use uh, road? Well, because literally it is a high way. Uh, the word for build up is also the word used for a road that would be built above all the terrain. In other words, escaping the rocks and, and uh, you know, issues of the land. But a smooth road. Uh, and the concept, is, it's, it's translated into English uh, by its sense, by its, it's called the semantic range of the word. In other words, what's it used for? Well, the idea when it says build up, build up, or build a highway, the reason it says build a highway uh, is because it's, uh, it's this roadway of getting somewhere, a way of getting somewhere. And the reason that build up is used is because the idea is to make a clearing so it's easy to get to, okay? Uh, and so uh, when um, uh, it's used figuratively, it's used almost always in a figurative way in the Bible. See, it's an interesting word. Uh, so when Jeremiah uses it, like build up and to plant, it's like uh, he's using it not as a road or uh, a passageway that did not work into his uh, picture, the picture he was trying to draw. It was build up and to plant as it's like a plant growing and building up. So w when you look up this word, it speaks about, you know, raising high. For example, uh, it's translated in one place as lift up. Like, lift up your voice to God. In one particular passage in Psalm 68, it's, it's uh, lift up. And so it speaks of this idea of a straight way that, that uh, is uh, uh, higher uh, than the ground. In, in one place, it's actually, it would be used in one place, pile, pile things up. Like, make a pile of something. The same word. Uh, would be used. Uh, and so that's kind of akin to building uh, something. But the idea is, is that the way is being made straight. The way is being made straight. And so, uh, you know, when we think about uh, what we are called to do in all of these four pillars is to make a straight way. Make a straight way for our people to know Messiah. To remove the obstacles in the way. Uh, it kind of reminds you of, uh, you know, of a, of a roadway that's built above the ground, like a bridge, 
Like a bridge is a roadway built obviously above the ground so that you don't go through the water or through some, you know, big valley or something, right? The way is made straight, being held up by pillars so that you can get freely from one place to the other because in between there's an obstacle in the way. So I guess it'd be kind of like a bridge. Uh, And so God has called us uh, to be something like that. Now, not a bridge between being Jewish and going to a church. People have said that to us. Oh, you're like a bridge. In other words, like a temporary way uh, uh, when uh, a Jewish person comes to faith uh, and you go to Beth Messiah, so you're like used to it, you know, and then uh, off off to a church, you know. Uh, yeah, no, that's not what I mean, right? Just wanted to make that clear. Uh, a, a bridge meaning uh, a bridge to Yeshua, a way to Yeshua without all the obstacles. And that's what God has called us to be. Whether we're talking about bringing the message to our people or we're talking about growing in our faith, removing the obstacles so that we can grow and know Messiah better and better and be a, a marvelous testimony uh, in this world of the presence of Yeshua, the presence of the Olam Haba today, Israel's future today. And so as we move forward into this new year, may we look forward uh, you know, to new things, to moving forward, to never being static, but at the same time being held up by the very same pillars as we were in 1975 and as we are in 2015. And that is why God has been faithful, despite ourselves, despite our, you know, going here or there or this idea or that idea. When we hold on to these pillars, that is what God has called us to be and do. And isn't it marvelous to live in a day that God has called us to such a great work as this? Let's pray. Lord uh, God, we thank you Lord, that uh, individually you called us from many places uh, and many situations, Lord, uh, and you've called us to yourself in Yeshua. So we thank you for that, Lord, that we were not born with eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand, but via your providence brought us to a situation, to a place where we received you into our lives. And you placed your Ruach HaKodesh deep within us. And so, God, we thank you, God, that uh, from that time on, you've been cultivating a faith. Uh, You've been cultivating a walk in this world. And thank you, Lord, that you've put it on uh, the hearts of those who are here at Beth Messiah uh, for uh, the Jewish people, for Israel, for your word, uh, and, of course, for you. Lord, may we always have a passion for you, for your word, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. Lord, and uh, may we never stray from that calling. But Lord, may we be sensitive to your leading, to your guiding in our methods, uh, you know, and just in, in how we carry ourselves in this world. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I do pray for all of us who are here today uh, that if we're looking from the outside in when it comes to uh, knowing you, Lord, I pray, God, that we would simply embrace Yeshua for everything comes after that. Lord, and, and so we can have that, that meaning and calling uh, in our lives. Lord, and I know that there are some who are visiting, and so Lord, I pray for each one that each one would be able to follow the calling and be part of a community uh, for which they're called. 
But Lord, we thank you for our calling here at Beth Messiah. And Father, we thank you uh, as we are a work born of God. Lord, may we all be good stewards of it. And we pray in Yeshua's name.